Ladies and gentlemen and variations there, welcome to the Selective Lorecast, a casual Elder Scrolls podcast. My name is Rotten Deadite, and with me today are... I am James, also known as Aramethius. And I am Felix, also known as Banuhana Masaishi. And today we are talking about Sermon 20 in the 36 Lessons of Vivek, uh, which is the first sermon that Vivek, uh, of, uh, of Vivek's uh, uh, campaign against her own children. Uh, yeah. Not including the hundreds of her own kids that she already murdered. Um, yeah. And Details. The, and, the, and, and the one that Zeke killed because it was in her own self or some yeah, such. Yes, exactly. And this is, uh, this is now, these are the kids with names, so they're the ones who count. And yes. uh, um, this is also after Vivek has dealt with the idea of uh, in Sermon 18 of Her Own Destiny and Sermon 19 with the building of the provisional house, and uh, which is the sort of home base intelligence from where from whence Vivek shall strike out against your children. And uh, fitting that this house exists in the state of Chim, since that is how Vivek is detecting the existence of these children who have run off yeah i've got indigestion uh so the first monster was actually wait a minute hold on did i miss anything in this synopsis uh, uh, okay. i don't know i'm i'm i want to i want to run a theory past you i'm not sure how actually accurate it is because mm-hmm. i can spot very little in apart from thing apart from the ruddy man and the various theories that go along with that uh, but the number of the children that that z winds up killing uh-huh. Uh, is interesting to me. Conspicuous, yes. Because mm-hmm. it's not because there are nine. The thing in question for me with this is that um is that nine is sixteen minus seven. And so you're thinking the number of the Daedric Princes minus the three good Daedra minus the four house um house of troubles. So is this uh, I've been trying to match the monsters that Vivette kills to the Daedric princes that aren't part of the Kaima um Kaima Dunma Pantheon for a long while, but I'm not I everything I found is a little bit too tenuous for, for them to map easily on. I'm just not sure whether that's a link to be made or not. Yeah. That's um that's because Kirkbride's kind of confirmed that the children are supposed to represent the parts of Vivek that need to be destroyed. So that Vivek can reach a state of divinity. And he listed them off in a forum post at one point, and they were things like um, the thing you ate last night or the car you used to own or so on. It seems like a very arbitrary list. Um, and I think that either it was a list of things that Kirkbride came up with while he was writing this, or it was a list of things that he like where he was kind of largely improvising the children and then he went back and kind of made up in, you know, like in, in post kind of invented what they represented. Yeah. Um, post hoc rationalizations. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or um, these are just the things that really mattered to him at the time. And so it's, it's another element of, you know, Kirkbride's sort of personal life being integrated into his art, which is, you know, frequently done so it's just fine it's the way art works yeah um yeah. so uh vivex so we start off here with the first monster was actually two having been born twice like his mother father vivek now all right yep i um i've been thinking about this for a while 
Um, <laughs> I, I, uh, I think this has something to do with Moon Axel, the, the child, having a dual nature. Which I think is actually mentioned later, specifically later having a yep. dual mention, dual nature. Um, it's also somewhat. Uh, uh, mm, it's also possible that you could say that Vivek was built was born twice because she was born from both her parents. So Amalexia birthed him and. Saw the sill birthed him. It's, but I am not entirely one hundred percent sold on that. I mentioned it in the in the New Orleans school, but it's not a. It's a theory I think somebody threw at me, and I was like, "That's better than what I got." So I put, I put that. In I there. would go with the whole. I I must have been born before mm-hmm. angle that he says while while he is still an egg. Well, I think that's a reference to reincarnation. Um, had their histories. Re- oh, maybe those born twice had their histories rewritten by Vivek. Mm, that's cool. Yes. I like that, Felix. I we we then but then we'd kind of have to pitch who is Moon Axel before the 36 lessons. Uh and that's a little tough oh. to handle because of what Moon Axel represents, which is um Well, can we not infer that Moon Axel was one of the children to escape the pomegranate? banquet because it says in this sermon in sermon 20 that moon axel was one of the eight to escape muatra yeah um oh you're thinking that has something to do with like moon axles then been oh ooh. but uh, see i i tend to think like the pomegranate banquet was part of the rewriting so if the, i if don't know the pomegranate yeah. if the pomegranate banquet is when vivek attained chim then absolutely it could be mm-hmm. um so anyway, he was not the mightiest of the eight to escape Muatra, but his actions were most were the most worrisome. That's something to consider. We'll get back to that in a minute. He was known as Moon Axel, and he harvested the leftover foibles of nature. So, uh, oh no, my foibles. Okay, my foi- my my foibles. Look at these foibles. Um. <laughs> so, I, I, when I was writing this sermon, I had a lot of help from, uh, I think it was on IRC at the time, and a lot of people were sort of speculating about, um, we had a big conversation uh, about what Moon Axel's name might be, might represent. And a lot of, uh, a lot of people, or, or, well, a lot of conversation uh, revolved around the lunar lattice. Um, I've not been able to find a connection outside of just the name Lunar Lattice and Moon Axel. I've not been able to find any connections other than that. And I would think that Moon Axel's nature would in some way refer to the Lunar Lattice. Uh, this, is, this is why we need Moon Sugar Leader for stuff like yeah, this. Yeah, um, yes. but but I, I, I think he was actually in the conversation. <laughs> ah, um, okay. And so I don't, uh, I, I don't, I, I uh, well, we'll get onto Moon Axel's nature, and maybe then it'll be a little bit clearer about what I what I mean. But, um, but that's that the idea of connecting with Khajiit is an interesting one because mm-hmm. um, if it's made up of the leftover foibles of nature, mm-hmm. my first thought was that it was something like, well, the Khajiit on, were only given their final form sometime after everything else is settled, so mm-hmm. they are sort the children. And the two things that they became later are kind of the leftovers. And 
you also um but I'm not sure quite where to connect that um up with anything else a bit more meaning meaningful really. Well um if he harvests the leftover foibles of nature, which is to say the uh flaws of let's say do we think nature or reality or as in nature Good as question. in like the the flora and fauna of Tamriel? Or... Yeah, I was going with a what? kind of a mixture of the two, but yeah, yeah, because it's his dual nature, so why mm-hmm. not both? Porcano los dos. Um, well, this he did twice, as was said, and the second harvest always brought ruin or unwritten law. So, lost. Oh. Mm. Oh, um, uh-huh. oh, there was a. <laughs> oh, I can't remember quite the details of this, but a Reddit post that speculated that Lig was the moons. Um, was looking into the nature of um, looking into Maroon's Dagon and made a point about his name. Uh, that uh, it was. I will. I will try and look it up. But it's Dagon the Moon Plunderer was what they kind of arrived at. Um, uh, and I can't remember what. Else, Never heard that before. We, hmm. Yeah. It was it was really well argued, but the, it was not something that's kind of the common accepted knowledge at all. So I I will bear that in mind. Uh, bear, bear that in mind, and I will come back to you on it once I've actually found it. Okay. And yeah. so yeah, we'll but this could be could be connected to Merun's. Aha, here we are. Dagon oh, created the moon. Dagon mm-hmm. created the moons. Or if you're looking for Lig, look up is the name of the post. I will drop it in which for those of you, uh, where are we? And right at the bottom is the thing that I'm asked, asking about, uh, or should, was, uh, hang on. I just came across a fascinating bit of lore from Battlespire. Dagon fashions a weapon, quote, from his own essence and calls it, quote, the battle sword of the moon reaver. Reeve is an English variant of reeve, mm. spelt differently, which means to raid or plunder. So he's so Dagon's created a weapon called the bat, the battle sword of the moon reaver. That, that, so Dagon the moon, so Dagon the moon plunder. If moon plundering is part of Dagon's essence potentially, so I don't know whether that connects here or not, but it feels the most appropriate if it connects to anywhere. Yeah, especially considering Battle Spire is basically a space station. So yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't forget to play bingo, folks. Yes, mm-hmm. that is a very good point. Do you play bingo? I will. Bring this that is up. this yeah. is a very interesting post. Four years ago, I am disappointed that I did not read this. I'm going to look <laughs> it's into this. Very, very good. Yeah, I'm. Yeah. That's a. That's very interesting. Oh, so does Moon here yep. then not refer to Master and Secunda? I think Lotoro it it Lotorio it does refer to both simultaneously. Um, uh, huh. And, uh, but that might, that might be why the dual nature could be, but one of the other things that we knocked around was the idea that moon axle was referring to a moon shape. So one assumes the crescent and then an axle from it. And so we were trying to figure out if there was a, a shape or, or like, you know, that involved like a crescent with a rod um, 
that would have, or perhaps a crescent shape that was an axle. Um, and I don't think we came up with anything good. Um, but but we, because we were trying to figure out, like, does Moon refer to uh, uh, Master or Secunda or both? And uh, I didn't have any luck. Um, or the was third also- Moon. Oh god! Well, or or the or the or the invisible one. Um, <laughs> yeah, which I'm not sure actually existed yet in any oh, sort of conception. And to make matters worse, the uh, the main is sometimes set, described as being a moon himself because he travels up into the stars and floats around in his big furball. Um. So. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so and once again, we're back to the Khajiit. Um, yeah. Well, that always happens with the moons. But yeah, yeah. Unless, yeah. Unless the way and looking at the axle is is the thing upon which the moons turn. Oh Jesus! Okay. Ah, there we are. Um, Felix has brought in um, a definition: so a rod or shaft that connects the yes. pair of wheels to propel them and retain the position of the wheels to one another. So. So the connecting line between Master and Secundo. Yeah. You ever get the feeling that you're right on the edge of having a really great thought, but it's just not. It's just not happening yet. Let's let's keep going. We can see what we can see where this goes. So his aspect was fasted like a polyhedron. So what what we're actually going to uh, deal with a lot in this sermon is the nature of um, perfection and simplicity ah. and the simplicity of perfection and attempts to reach that perfection. I don't remember where I get into that. It's somewhere in here. So I'm just going to keep going because I know I mentioned it in this sermon somewhere. Yeah, um, is it some? If we're thinking about that, I just want to kind of raise for, fu- for future reference mm-hmm. um, the idea of the chancellor of exact, exactitude, the whole thing of cer- mm-hmm. of certitude being the tool of puzzle box logicians mm-hmm. and so yes. on. Girls of white glamour. It, yep. Yeah. It. I mean, the girls of white glamour is a little less relevant, but the idea of everything being precise and certain and so on, mm-hmm. relating to job geometry, right, and in potentially also astronomy, because the idea of the movement of the celestial bodies is something that is predictable, at least in this world. I don't know whether mm. they've ever been conceptualized as being entirely not predictable in Tamriel. I mean, apart from the serpent, but so yeah, true. You've, you've got those sorts of links. Um, so no perils are mentioned in the finding of Moon Axel, but it was known that he was immune to spears. Uh, oh, uh, by the way, I do spend a lot of time talking about the ego self axis. At this point, ah. um, and uh, that was a suggestion for his name, uh, and you can mark off Carl Jung if you've got that on your bingo card. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think that was the uh, facet is the important word here. It looks he looks different from differently from different angles. Make. Maybe, but I think I, I think I have an explanation for that in, in a little bit. But we'll, I also we'll get may to have it. an explanation. But yeah, yeah. Right. Um, 
Oh, I also mentioned uh, the the that Sotha Sill uh, discusses the Adric imperfections a bit in uh, Elder Scrolls Online and describes them as thrones, the seats of symbols, and their kingdoms are context. So perhaps Moon Axel was a throne seeker trying to define his kingdom by picking up the scraps, like in other words, the the maybes that were not left that were not yet claimed by other kings. The leftover foibles. The leftover foibles, exactly. Um, yeah, and. Uh, and it's also actually something that's quite dangerous and so on. Sorry, I've just realized what harvesting the leftover foibles of nature might mean. Because if we consider that the earth bones and the almafay uh, are the laws of nature, he's essentially hoovering up other gods mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. So Moonaxel is doing something. I don't know whether we can equate it to soul stacking and the and combining in the sixth path later on, is it that possibly we see yep. we see in sermon thirty five or thirty six, whichever one it is. Well, I actually, um, uh, apparently, I decided to explain what I was talking about with the geometry thing um, hey. right here. So, um, so uh, I thought for a little while there that his face was faceted like a polyhedron, might have been sort of like a fourth wall jab at low polygon assets. Um, <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's a joke uh, to be made there for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, it kind of got me off on a thing where I was talking about uh, uh, I was I was briefly messing around with Plato's theory of forms, where I was talking about how the the closer something gets to its original form, the closer to perfect it can be considered. Um, it, the closer it gets to its universal form. Uh, but then I suggested the idea of uh, of thinking about this in terms of geometry, where um, this this will come into play later when we talk about being immune to spears. Um, uh, the idea of a true circle uh, is a, a continuous curve which has no facets and, and no points. Yep. Right? Or, or rather, you could, you could say that it has one point and that point exists entirely around its circumference. Uh, and in order to reproduce a circle without using a curve, without using... Um, that particular form of geometry, in other words, to 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 create an actual circle in, uh, say, a game engine. Game engines are optimized to draw triangles, in other words, straight lines. So the more accurate the circle becomes, in other words, the closer to perfection it becomes, the more polygons are required to create that circle. But you'll never, no matter how many polygons you add, you'll never have an actual circle. You'll just have a very, very complicated object but never a perfect circle um so the circle contains no straight lines and even if you were provided with provided with a million polygons you would never be able to perfectly replicate a circle but that's just a fractal issue basically isn't it mm-hmm. uh, 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 well it's it's a limitation of the engine but it, it, i'm trying to i'm trying to suggest that this is uh, this is a, a, a school of thought here yeah um so uh, one one of the ways that uh, um, uh, the relationship between the divine and the and mortality is represented uh, is sometimes with a circle and a line. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the idea that the so so what's keeping uh, the 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 important point of Moon Axel here, which is a, a you know again if we're thinking Moon Axel is just a line between two circles. Um, it's that Moon Axel is attempting to become perfect or a god, but 
it can never become perfect and it can instead all it can do is um harvest flaws it it can only become a bigger collection of flaws or in other words it can only become a bigger collection of of lines of points and lines it's also a critique of tribunal sorry a penny has just dropped Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea that an axle is a roller shaft that connects a pair, a pair of wheels to propel them and reta- and retains the position of the wheels to one another is the key thing of my thought here to use Felix's definition. A little bit like what Vivek does for South Asylum Alexia. Yeah, and I was also thinking of between mortality and divinity quite apart um, as more broadly the idea of um, of moon axle as the default as if we're again using it as a, as thinking of the monsters as, as aspects of Vivek, this is the difference between mortality and divinity that he is fighting here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, this is why Boon Axel is immune to spears. Instead, Vivek has to use the sword not held against him. Um, the sword not held. Um, again, remember that uh, it's possible that during editing, the 36 lessons may have moved around a little bit in order. Um, mm-hmm. This was suggested by, I think, Kirkbride as being the Treasurewood Sword. Um, but Vivek does not get the Treasurewood Sword until Sermon 22. <clears throat> That's why he's not holding it at the moment. Uh, but uh, Vivek, Vivek is depicted as wielding the sword not held in uh, his sword meeting, in her sword meeting with uh, Cyrus the Restless. Oh, okay. Uh, it's a sword that just sort of hovers and uh, and is not actually physically held by Vivek. Um, that's because the tongue belonged to Mephala, but that's another conversation. Mm, okay. Uh, and <laughs> uh, yeah, so so that's the idea. So so the, the one of the explanations I have in the New Orleans School is that it's called the sword not held because he doesn't have it yet. Uh <laughs> But another take is that the sword is akin to intellect. In other words, a sharpened edge to bring against the complexity and break it down into examinable, examinable pieces. Um, so it's By the a, way, sorry, can I just get a little um, l- little jab in here about that? Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Get like a, a little like, like, you know, jab the, the point sword. It's me making a pun, but um, yes. it's also something that I touch on in my Redguard Coda story. Mm-hmm. Where there's a throwaway line of like the the subheader for a chapter which says the sharper the mind the sharper the blade mm-hmm. and how it relates to the anse and their <clears throat> swords and how effective or not effective they may or may not have been which mm-hmm. is also related to like godhood and searching for divinity and stuff like that so um just just letting people know this is this is a thread that can be pulled in many different directions with different yeah. cultures yeah and uh, also with red guys you're gonna understand part of why I made that reference in the next paragraph. Of this sermon, I think, when he mm-hmm. describes the sword. Uh, before he took issue with the monster, the warrior poet asks, how came you to be immune to spears? To which du- Moon Axel replied, mine is a dual nature and protean. I am, in fact, made of many straight lines. Remember what I was talking about with the yep. yep. Though none last too long, in this way I have learned to ignore all true segments. So because Moon Axel is made of lines, it cannot be injured by lines. So luckily, the sword not held was curved, and ah! therefore could cut into Moon Axel. Hey, there we go. Cur- curved he's got swords, curved baby. swords. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Curved ah! swords. 
It's true. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, y'all thought Skyrim was so original yeah. for that. Get yeah. the fuck yeah. out of here. Uh, oh, Kitty Cat. Yes. How, how, uh, how old is he? She. Uh, that, she is. That cat is drooling on you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> she, she's happy. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty kitty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's about 12, 13 now. 13 years old. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Look at that drool. Good Lord. <laughs> Part of that is because she doesn't. She's have just dribbling on him. Aww, poor toothless kitty. Oh, she yeah. has no teeth. Oh, okay, that's it no. then. Yeah, no yeah. poofs. Um, so She's real cutie though. Let's see. In fact, made of many straight lines. Okay, so uh, uh, in case you missed the young reference, here we got some more again. Uh, <laughs> hey. When the ego is confronted directly, there tends to be a reaction from the ego as it tries to reassert itself. Part of the mystic ambition to rid oneself of ego involves subduing these assertions of the reality, of the identity. The many statements of I am, I want, I don't want, I fear, etc. Since they are, are thought to be illusory and serving only to keep one from the goal of true self or unity. Crowley's poem, Dust Devils, requ- describes whirling torrents of composed of eyes in the abyss, representing that such assertions are needed to be overcome to achieve ego death. Carl Jung also dealt with this kind of composition of the ego only for him and later for Joseph Campbell. Its death wasn't necessary on the path towards personal fulfillment and potential, but yet did warn against being ruled by ego's dictatorship. The ego wants explanation in or always in order to assert its existence. Try to live without the ego. Whatever must come to you will come. Don't allow yourself to be led astray by the ravings of the animus. He will try every stunt to get you out of the realization of stillness, which is truly the self. So uh, Joseph Campbell talked about the ego as a dragon. Uh, What I want, what I believe, what I can do, what I think I love and all of that, what I regard as the aim of my life and so forth. It might be too small. It might be what pins you down. Uh, And if it's simply that of doing what the environment tells you to do, then it is certainly holding you down. And so the environment is your dragon as it reflects within yourself. Um, Mm. Which I'm sure Jung would have really appreciated. Um, (laughs) um, Yeah, it's very hard to get rid of the, to get rid of the, the I in Western thought. Um, Just sort of the uh, concept of consciousness in general is hard for uh, Westerners to separate from the idea of themselves. Um, Is that actually something that has an impact on, how Vivek is considering consciousness and divinity because I, of yeah. the only true name of God, I. Mm-hmm. So there is part of me that thinks about is all this stuff about ego, death, and mm-hmm. so on actually mm-hmm. that relevant almost because because Chim right. is well, essentially in trying you to um, in encouraging you to go towards both. Sort of it, like it, it's this is kind of where the difference between Chim and Enlightenment and Gnosis start showing yeah. it, their colors. Um, enlightenment in the Buddhist sense involves uh, uh, the understanding that it's not just that the world is illusory, it's that you are as well, and that uh, none of these things exist, um, and that your consciousness is, is also an illusion um, and is not, uh, is not real in any respect. Whereas Gnosis kind of takes the approach of like, it's not real because you're part of a being, a great being. 
and it's it's you know God existing you know in you know uh, it, it, what what you are is God experiencing itself, whereas Buddhism kind of suggests that that's not the case either. It's that nothing is real and that there's not even like a God necessarily uh, or a or a glo- or a universal consciousness of any kind. Um, it's even more Don't abstract. Tell all the gods of Buddhism that. Oh no. Well, they have, but, but I mean, even those gods are yeah. uh, are in fact, um, you know, just the 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 nature of the illusion is kind of the thinking. They're they're testing you. Yes. Um, um, uh, I think it is also worth pointing out, or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it is also worth pointing out, and mentioning that this is something that we had um, touched on a little bit in several previous sermon episodes. I can't remember oh, if yeah. it was like. The last two, but between you, me, and Andrew, we talked a bit about um, Hinduism and like Dharmic religions and how they mm-hmm. view in general and with their different uh, their uh, differences with uh, viewing enlightenment and divinity and the cycle of suffering and existence and if it's real or not. We we have touched on this before, so all the more reason that people should watch the other episodes. Um, but uh, to, to your point about the West and kind of struggling with. With I, um, that was something that, again, I, I know we talked on possibly even in the last episode about how it's a big difference between Hinduism and uh, Buddhism is what constitutes divinity in the realization of you are part of a greater being. And so you have to return to that kind of oneness with the greater being or spiritual energy that is the universe versus um, coming to realization that it isn't and it's just energy like there's a kind of like a weird it, it kind of grazed the lines between them a bit but i remember we we definitely talked about that at some point fairly recently yeah uh, in, in previous episodes hopefully there's some some additional information for people there go watch um, the other episodes folks yeah basically uh <laughs> so uh and before the sun was up he what? had he, Sorry, he was, mm, hang on. Mm, I, hang on. I'm lost as to where we are, for starters. Luckily, the sword the, not held was curved and therefore could cut into the uh, axis. Okay. Um, the idea of being a dual nature and protean, I'm kind of curious that, that, that he's therefore immune to spears mm-hmm. as opposed mm-hmm. to swords. Because mm-hmm. spears, I, I would think that if he was in dual nature, um, then it w- would be immune to cleaving because they're already cleaved in two. Mm-hmm. Um, but spears are not a cleaving weapon. They pierce. They mm-hmm. they do a different. They do a different to the thing that they're hitting. So I'm just wondering if there's either a contradiction there or something that is mm. different. Possibly. In uh, well, I would. How it's done. I would suggest that even piercing would be something that Moonaxle would be resistant to. So um, okay, there's 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 a couple things here actually. Um, mm-hmm. I haven't really gone on a bit of a, a rant in a while, um, and it's all Please. kind of dis- disjointed. But but sorry. Um, so protean means uh, like having a tendency to change in nature, and there's also an ancient Greek god known as Proteus. He was subservient to Poseidon, but was also in many cases described as being much ancient and more kind of unknowable than Poseidon. And that's where we get the term the old man, the, the old man of the sea, is this Proteus god. Uh, he's apparently uh, the prophetic old man of the sea and shepherd of the sea's flocks, usually um, referred to as seals. And um, so when something is constantly changing in its nature, so he was also seen as like a shapeshifter, so he could appear as kind of 
monstrous or like an old man or like a creature, you know, one of those classical shape-shifting, but not necessarily a trickster deity, but there are elements of that based on like what little I was able to gather about um, Proteus. And the only reason I know a little bit about Proteus is because I only recently watched The Lighthouse for hey. the first time. And I was like, the hell is this? It says, oh, well, it's about like Proteus stuff and Proteus because like you see one of the depictions in the film is kind of like that. And I was like, huh, okay, well, this is neat. And I'm sure it will never be useful at any other point in my life. And here it's, we are. It's about like why you shouldn't go whack it off in the shed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what that movie's about. Don't be whacking yeah, off that, in the that, shed. That right. movie is just, oh, God. But, so um, good. A good movie. No, but again, the, the, the ability to um, be able to change frequently or easily um, is, is you know, I, I want people to just try and think of that. And then at some point, and I forget, uh, doesn't Vivek somehow refer to Mawatra as like truth manifest, like an assemblage of truth or something like that? I think there was like something about Mawatra and truth that was said at some point somewhere. And so when you have something that can change its nature, it's like, you know, here's the truth. And it's like, well, I don't know about that because you can change it, right? It's a, a great so, move. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I Jay and Silent Bob taught me well. Um, but uh, that that I think is something that that should also, even though it's kind of maybe a throwaway line there in the sermon, it's something that people should keep in mind about what it actually means to be Protean and where that comes from from um, Greek mythology, which is, of course, generally speaking, the basis of the vast majority of Western philosophy. So is. Yeah. Is there something to be mined out of that by the fact that uh, that Protean was a or Proteus was a god of the sea, and you we and we definitely have the line of mo moving water resembles truth by its trembling. Nah, yeah. And but it's it's different because the as every single instance of truth in the sermons is always equated with violence. You have things like uh, destroyed in the manner of truth by a great hammering. And stuff like and stuff like that. Or it, truth always implies violence, and by its trembling is the threat of violence. That this—that's one of the run-throughs for every single um, appearance of the word truth. And I know this for a fact. And, I've searched for it, okay. so I'm, I'm, I'm not challenging yeah, that at all. Um, it's, yeah, it's just a really interesting notion because, um, because if because truth in that sense is not protean, it's kind of truth is my husband instructed to smash and this it's 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 blunt it's violent it's something that is really really simple and not desirable uh the idea of you must be a you must be a letter written in uncertainty as something to as kind of the desirable state also sort of hints at the idea of protean qualities being the more desirable thing, not more desirable thing than truth in itself. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I don't know quite where I was going with that. Yeah, but yeah. It, I, but say, it, I said words and there was random. <laughs> so, it does seem like there's most of this podcast. It, it, does, it does seem like there's something that we're missing that's fundamental here because it feels like we're looking at contradictory concepts that are like yeah. in one chapter are good and then in another chapter they're bad. And I think what's happening here is that we just don't have a good grip of like we're not we're not seeing exactly what it is that's being said here, um, which is pretty much my whole life with these things. 
Uh, yeah, like I, I was about to say, like if if you're not feeling that way about the 36 lessons, something's wrong. Yeah. So yeah. Vivek, Vivek did not slay him outright for to do so would be to keep the foibles of nature within him and not back where they belonged. So that this is this is related to why Vivek doesn't kill her children exactly, but rather absorbs them. Um, to, to this is this is the nature of milk taker is that we are um, absorbing the nature of these children instead of we're taking the nature of these children instead of destroying them or, 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 or killing them, I suppose. Um, soon Vivek had traced geography right again and moon Axel was ready to be slain. Uh, I'm still not sure what that means. It's talking. <clears throat> I want to say it's something about the way that you find your way back to places, which kind of implies that, Moon axle and relying on the axle part is kind of the way that you orient yourself. Again, it kind of perhaps just because I've I, I said it earlier, so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say it again, is that map between humanity and divine or mortality and divinity. Uh possibly. I don't I don't know. Um yeah. Well uh, it, it I Right, so that go for it, Felix. I I have another kind of just like silly thing based on part of what Chris said earlier about his shape was polygonal or sorry, was a polyhedron. So like, yeah, you know, low low polygon texture count, etc. Um, and so the idea of um, making the geography right again is, oh hey, wait a second, this asset is out of place, and that's technically a foible of nature. Hey, wait a second, why is this tree in the Escadian Isles hovering and isn't actually connected <laughs> to the ground? That's mm-hmm. kind of neat and interesting. Oh, whoops, sorry. That's definitely a mistake. So there's that element to it. Um, you could also see it in, to, to kind of try and take it a little more seriously, which I know very rare for me. <laughs> um, you could look at the geog- like making the geography right again in terms of um, the plan for Mundus as uh, Magnus intended so it's like things are supposed to be here and work this way but then that weird little moon asshole went and ruined it and that's why I left so that could be another way of looking at making the geography right so putting things back into their right place in accordance with the grand design of the bones of Mundus and Adra and like all that lovely Adric stuff that came before the uh what's it called um i want to say trial of lorcon but i don't think that that's uh convention that's the case the what stuff that came before convention yeah mm-hmm. um so yeah i think that like that's where you could also infer an actual in-universe reality and not just make a silly video game assets joke that's where i i could sort of trace that to. or do both <laughs> yeah, wh- why yeah. not both? Why not okay, both? no, let's go. Um, so, uh, let's see. Uh, so, how did Vivek kill? How does Vivek actually kill Moon Axel? Uh, Vivek rode up, rose up into his giant form to be terrible to look upon. He reached into the west and pulled out a canyon, holding it like a horn. He reached east and ate a handful of Nyx hounds. Blowing their spirits through the canyon made a terrible wail, not unlike an unsolved woman. He said, let this overtake you, and Moon Axel was overtaken by the curvature of stolen souls. 
They wrapped about the monster like resin until finally he could not move, nor could his dual nature. So surrounding things with resin is going to come into play uh, in a later yep. sermon. Watch out for that. Is, is is this in any way related to Draco Chrysalis by any chance? I'm still not mm. sure what that word means, and I've seen a lot of people speculate about it, and I'm, I don't know. I don't know. Um, uh, maybe, but it certainly comes in. Is it the stages of the numbered rooms, or am I misremembering? Yes, it's the uh, yeah. it's the the uh, the captured sage uh, sermon twenty eight, I think. Oh, okay. Um, yep. Where where a a a, a a sage is wrapped in resin. Yes. Um, but so uh, Vivek said, "Now you are solved and pierced I, I, his child with Muatra." Ooh. I, yeah, yeah. I do want, sorry, I do want to kind of go a bit more into that because mm-hmm. is it, is, is what's happening here kind of driving the child further towards enlightenment, whatever that means, or towards, towards Amaranth maybe, um, which is a very weird way to kill a thing. So what is what Vivek is doing to her children, mm. not killing them, but just, solving them in some way like it, right like an equation almost because the issue here that the the uh the next children are the flaws of her nature yes and so this is what what's happening here is vivek is absorbing the reabsorbing them after processing them um it's uh <clears throat> who here goes to a therapist so it's <laughs> a the idea is that what you're what you're doing is you're taking out trauma or um, uh, bad ex- negative experiences or negative emotions, and you're examining them uh, with the in the light of the you know the of consciousness and deconstructing them and uh, finding their origins and learning how they work and what their signs are and etc. And then instead of disposing of them, you then effectively have polished them into a jewel and you bring them back into yourself. And this is something that literally in some way literally happens with some forms of therapy. Um, I'm thinking ego state therapy uh, where you are um, uh, uh, bringing dark parts of your mind into the light and confronting it in a, uh, in a, in, in as constructive a manner as possible. Uh, it's, it's not a, it's not supposed to be a violent confrontation. It's supposed to be a, uh, you're effectively learning to love yourself. It's, this is related to, um, Jung's shadow work. Um, and busting out the young today, aren't we? We are. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, well, I mean, I also, you know, (laughs) I also wonder, I, are all of the monsters slain with Muatra or are they killed with other things? Oh, sorry. The sword not held is in this one. Because mm-hmm. that idea, that interpretation of how you deal with therapy and so on is is an interesting one. Just, just it just occurs to me that yeah, it relates to Moatra's anagram potentially. Yes, that yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, yes, very much. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, that is effectively what we're doing here: is that mm. uh, Moon Axel was not able to be reprocessed without first being, you know, brought out and held down and examined and tamed uh, before it can then be reabsorbed with Milk Taker. 
and so now you are solved as in the the noise that is made is of an unsolved woman and then the insertion of muatra solves the unsolved equation Solved it's dicks, it's about it's all about the penis um and uh, so and by, and by the way yeah. uh for those who are listening or watching and aren't aware um to, to say this i'm searching and trying to figure it out the anagram of muatra is trauma, trauma. yeah yes the anagram oh, of muatra and... is trauma i oh i i james is having thoughts <laughs> No, it, I, I, I'm having anger. <laughs> is what I'm having. I'm not having thoughts. I'm having rage. Yes, I'm having rage because I. Yes, it's not the whole. It's 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 not as blatant as the end of the trial of Vivek, but it's a similar kind of solution. It's the yeah. kind of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if I mean, we are. Viv- if, Vivek did the same to the Nord invaders, so. Yeah. Yeah, this, this this is just a pattern for the back. I really. just it just it just annoys me that this is this this is that the solution for the unsolved woman is a penis. Yes. Apparently, <laughs> yep. But no, yeah, yep. Yep. that it's is like not how the way to tell it works. if someone was written by a man, baby. <laughs> Basically, um, but yeah. Um, although <clears> again, <throat> I kind of want to stress to people that there is um, uh, again in Hinduism, there's a common sort of dual spiritual representation of Shiva and his wife Parvati, uh, which is basically just... Sorry, Chris? I I think, was I pronouncing that wrong? I thought it was Pavarti, or is it Parvati? I I think it's um, Parvati. Okay, yeah. Okay. I I think, again, don't quote me, I'm very much an outsider to Hinduism in India and all this good stuff. Um, Everything I learned is just kind of like secondhand. But... um, uh, okay. the the um the the main thing is that um a very common representation of Shiva is I think it's called the linga or the lingam and it's yep. a smooth round with like a, a rounded top and it's got you know some markings and you're pouring water or milk over it as offerings and it's very much meant to represent a penis and uh when it's shown together with the one that represents parvati it kind of looks like a penis and a vagina yeah in a in bowl one sort of because yeah. yeah because it's meant to represent both masculine and feminine energies because mm-hmm. again hinduism is big on technically everything is just a form of energy or like mm-hmm. it comes from an energetic place mm-hmm. um and so that that is like oh yes and and by merging that's the true sum totality and this is supposed to help you figure things out a bit more and See things in a broader scope, um, and uh, yeah, so that's the thing you will see. In fact, if you've ever been to India, you might have just accidentally seen some shrines while you were driving around Delhi or in Agra, and you were like, "Oh, a shrine, need." I don't know what it represents. It's like, well, it represents uh, the the two chief cosmic deities and sexual intercourse. So mm-hmm. there you go, folks. It's all it's all dicks. And yep, it's all, all dicks, it's dicks it's, all the way down. It's dicks all the way down. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Sorry to say. Um, so, which is a very human thing, yeah. right? Because it's it's like we're we're always reflecting in many ways about our own selves, right? Like we we see this especially with Greek and Roman gods, where they feel very human because they have all these huge flaws, and we try and see the best in the people. heroes <laughs> who, who who take them down. You know, we we want to yeah. believe in in the goodness of God and then like the, the, the badness of like another force that's acting on it. Like there's 
all these different religions, you know, even cults, there's it's a reflection of humanity and the human condition, which means unfortunately, a lot of the times you're gonna get some weird sex stuff. And that's yeah. kind of <laughs> how it is. Yep. There's some interesting names trying to relate the stuff in Hinduism to chat. I don't know whether that's anything. Okay, hard. Um, the name of the Shiva Parvati, Parvati fusion deity. Ah, uh, yes, yes, this whole thing. Yeah, okay. The fusion deity. All right. Um, Help me, James. I. So, which which you've seen fusion? Dragon Ball, right? You've, no. No. Okay. Yeah, right. Okay. No. So. Um, okay. Anyway, Felix sounds like he's going to Felix. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, James so it, it's. Okay, Arhanarishvara is the lord whose half is a woman. Um, it's generally meant to be like a half Shiva, half Parvati, or his consort Shakti. Um, so yeah, um, I'm not too familiar with it, but it is seen as um, as uh, like a, a thing that you can't have. There, there are representations going back to like the Kushan period. And uh, I think the core crucially also is that the weapon is a sword. Let me check this real quick. Hmm. Hmm. The Trishula is, Oh wait, no, 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 no. Sorry. It's the trident. My bad, which is often associated with, um, with uh, Shiva. So, my bad. No, it's not a sword. It's it's another fucking staff, though. Um, but yeah, okay. It's a trident. A divine symbol commonly is one of the principal symbols in Hinduism. That is technically false. It's predominantly associated with Shiva, but uh, Shiva being the chief of uh, the Hindu pantheon, unless you follow Vaishnavism, where you view Vishnu as the chief of the pantheon. It's a whole <laughs> thing. Um, but uh, yeah, um, I don't know much about it. I just know that it is a thing that has been depicted before. And I think part of its um, uh, representation is again about, you know, the, the fusion of, of male and or masculine and feminine energies, thus representing um, power and oneness. Uh, let me just see here. It's just some stuff about old cults. You can still find shrines. Uh, all over India and Southeast Asia. It'd be way too much for me to even like piece uh, together from yeah. like everything. Cause again, I don't know too much about it, but like I do, it is familiar in that I've seen and heard about the, uh, the union before. And some of the depictions are great where it literally shows like either two headed or like half, like literally split down the middle, half men, half women. So it's like, half a sari and half a loincloth made of tiger skin. It's actually really cool. Um, yeah, but I don't know too much about it. Just that it is um, it is a thing that, that definitely exists. Well, um, so we're picking up after the uh, shattering of Moon Axel. Uh, the lines of Moon Axle were collected by Velathi philosophers and taken into caves. There and for a uh. year, Vivek taught the philosophers how to turn the lines of his son into the spokes of mystery wheels. This was the birth of the first whirling school. Hey! Before, yay. there had only been the surface thought of fire. 
So uh, these are also, this is a this is a system, by the way, I should mention that Vivek learned in a previous chapter, the idea of build, building a wheel out of spokes. Oh. Right. Um, although, uh, should we evaluate a little bit the line about um, reaching to the west and grabbed a canyon and reaching to the east and like consumed next towns? Is there something to piece from that with like hmm. west being the past, east oh. being new dawn of possibility? Uh, I, I don't think that was a thing when those was written. Currency, like, is there something to be wrought from this or no? Um, I'm. I got I, I, like I, I worked on it for a while and I did, was not able to get anything that I liked. There is okay. something about yeah. Vivek and Nick's hounds. I, I can't yes. recall whether he's whether um, Vivek is supposed to have created them or uh, no. The Nick's hounds were originally supposed to be transdimensional uh, beasts that like Tindalos hounds from the Hounds of Tindalos by H.P. Lovecraft, which were supposed to attack you if you, uh, which were attacking. Um, Ashlander wise women when while they performed a um a, a ritual I don't remember what the ritual was and while they were performing a ritual holes from oblivion would show up and Nick's hounds would come out through the holes and attack you and you had to defend um huh. the the wise women uh so it was, that was that was originally going to be the idea behind Nick's hounds is that they were a they were actually a daedroth yeah. and then they uh basically ran out of um a uh, budget for monsters to put around uh, Morwind, and so they they rewrote the lore and stuck them in as regular critters. <laughs> um, <laughs> they were originally, I don't think they, they, I think they still do, but they were supposed to walk in straight lines, like back and forth, like that. Yeah. Yes. Um, and I think they still kind of do that in Morwind, but um, they, uh, but that was like the the way you were supposed to see them from a distance was walking in these straight like like that very quickly hmm. um, before they eventually saw you and they would just turn and whoop. um uh, let's hmm. see uh so um so okay so the mystery wheels of course are more of these sort of conceptual um wheels like uh, Vivek attained the form of in a previous chapter um new whirling school the whirl excuse me the whirling schools are a reference to sufi turning um I mean, I don't know that for sure, but I'm whirling, I'm, I'm whirling pretty dervishes. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure, ideas. guys. Um, Which are actually fascinating. Yeah, mm. uh, and again, and, and it is a very, very interesting practice. It's uh, there's not a lot of English translated text out there to read about Sufi, uh, but um, try and find what you can because you will get lost in a hurry. It is, uh, and I mean that in a good way. I mean, your whole day will disappear. It's fucking fascinating. Um, oh, you know I'm gonna go find uh, one of my favorite Sufi videos. Actually, I'll I'll post it oh, in the okay. chat. Oh, is this the one that Michael's been saying for? Um, oh, we imagine that the uh, Murakathi are like this. Oh, yeah. No, that was me who suggested that. <laughs> oh, was that sorry? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, the dance yeah. that the Murakathi selectives did was a yeah a, a Sufi twirling a Sufi dance. dance. Yeah. yeah. Well, so not 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 quite like that. Not quite. Yeah, I'm, let me find it. We'll show it. You can see it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Give me a minute. <laughs> so, uh, before there had only been the surface thought of fire. So this this what? triggered something in me when I read that. Okay. Um, it is certainly possible for the regular inhabitant of Bundus to understand and even believe in the concept of Chim in the dream state universe. But another thing entirely for a person to comprehend, completely comprehend with their mind, body, and soul the same concepts. 
A paraphrase of a section from Zen Merging of East and West by Roshi P. Kaplu. Uh, Kaplu. Uh, reading about... Oh. Reading about... Uh, he said uh, enlightenment, but I, I replaced it with Chim. Reading about Chim is like reading about nutrition when you're hungry. Only when you taste, chew, and swallow the food will you feel satisfied. And even then, the food you have eaten will not nourish you until digestion and assimilation has taken place. This is similar to Chim. Unless you have integrated into your daily life what you have perceived, your awakening is not working for you yet. It will not transform your life. And just as the final step in nutrition is elimination, so must one eventually rid oneself of the notion of I am enlightened. Only then can you walk freely between heaven and earth. Now suppose your foot itches. Does it feel better to scratch your bare foot or to scratch the itch through your shoe? Reading about Chim is like scratching an itch through your shoe. So, uh, yeah. So um, that elimination part of that is going to become important. <laughs> yeah. In a, in a later, when we murder another kid later on. <laughs> um, and it is, it, it's, it's a very useful way to think about how people zero sum in uh in the elder scrolls universe uh it's a it's a good way to th to think about why learning about chim doesn't immediately make you delete yourself uh there's a big big difference between intellectually understanding chim and understanding chim through your like your soul itself uh seeing the yeah seeing it as a wheel is seeing it as a wheel is seeing it as having logic to it yeah mm -hmm. yeah um, the surface thought of fire is what that means. It, it's just the idea or the, the intellectual concept, conceptualization of fire. It's not the actual fire itself. Um, and the fact that, oh, and there's, there's a lot of ways to, to parallel the idea of enlightenment and fire as well. Um, and, and energy <laughs> and, and, and key and et cetera. Particularly so. if you get into alchemy and stuff, mm -hmm. that's, that's always my thought. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, um, yeah. Before, also, uh, oh, sorry. Go. It's just the idea of the, the new, the new whirling school. If we're talking the, the surface thought of fire as sort of the beginning point, and if we're going with Western Western alchemy, that it then goes into the secret fire, um, mm -hmm. and and that side of things. And so this is so the spokes of mystery wheels are a refinement of that. That fr frankly, the kind of sticking the before there was only this is a really awkward way of thinking about it because that's not the progression. We're going from fire to the spokes of mystery wheels. So it's the sense of fire as the active principle to something that is then a reflection of the world is sort of as the second stage almost. So it's the idea of the whirling school as a progression from one thing to another in mm -hmm. some way. And quite what that means I think we'll get to a little bit more in this sermon, but I'm not fully formed on my thoughts on that yet. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, uh, un that's fair. Um, un unfortunately, a lot of this sermon is kind of like barely touching incredibly complicated ideas. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem with several of the sermons. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, but also want to say uh, thank you to James for um, posting the 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 Sufi zikr dance. Um, in chat for me because only just now did I realize I'm not logged into Twitch. Whoopsie! Hey, hey, all right. Yeah. Um, um, so, a so, light, so, yeah, people can check that out. So, Vivek looked at his first willing students and observed, and this here comes this motherfucker coming in with it. Here he comes with his bullshit again. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is that dance? Uh, it's it's uh, I'll I'll find the meme somewhere. It's something my wife and I've been doing all. <laughs> oh, God. all right. Here I come with my bullshit again. Um, <laughs> Uh, alike the egg layered universe is this morbid possession of three distant coverage soul wrecked and alive like my name is alive in this cloister you have discovered one walking path healed like a sword but more coarsened so edged is it is, is it that it has to be whispered to keep the tongue from bleeding where its signs evacuate their former meetings like empires that tarry too long Okay, right, so let's so start at the lot, beginning. But we got, yeah. but we got a <laughs> well, mention of a walk. Only one way, of three so paragraphs. So yeah. Um yep. alike the egg layered universe is this morbid possession of three distant coverage. So um it's egg layered, the Arbus, in the respect that it is comprised of layers. If you if you want um Aetherius like or Oblivion or it's or it's layered as in like the layers of the dreamers. It's um, also, I would say that the idea of it as an egg versus an onion is that an egg has... Or an ogre. Yeah. Um, yeah, obligatory Shrek reference. I'm never going <laughs> to pass don't that think, up. Never. I don't th- never going to pass that up. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't ever think that, um, that Shrek will be on the... Uh, on the bingo card. Oh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah. That's too easy. <laughs> yeah, it absolutely is too easy. And the idea of sure an egg, as, an egg as a thing with as a thing with layers is mm-hmm. um, that it has potential, mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. have you have things that things that eggs can become. Mm-hmm. So, a, an egg layered universe is a universe that can become something else. In yeah. my opinion, and there was also the uh, I think I mentioned the egg layered universe in a previous sermon because there's a diagram I would have included by I think. D of all people. Um, if you want to talk about fucking She does diagrams very well. Yeah. Well, yeah, she's a talented guy. Uh, uh if you want to talk about uh alchemists again. Um yeah. and it was literally a diagram of reality as an egg. And uh the albumin was one thing, and then the yolk was another uh. thing, and etc. Yeah, it was uh, I I I could go digging through my own website, but I'm not gonna fucking bother. Um, okay all right we're not uh, worth it then yeah no um, you guys well, aren't no. important enough i'm, I'm, um, I'm no. looking through my hard drive instead instead of my website yeah, okay. it's, it's um, in here a, somewhere a couple <laughs> a couple things to add though about like egg and everything i think we also mentioned it earlier in the sermons like when we we're just getting started about um uh vivek being um herself like like in egg form and how that represents um change and possibility so it, it very much tracks in that regard. Also, a uh, fun little trivia anecdote, the National Epic of Finland, the Kalevala, uh, mentions that the universe came from an egg. So there you go, folks. It's in other cultures as well. Uh, I can't find that image. So I, I'm scared that I didn't, in fact, put it on the uh uh, commentaries, which is fucking tragic because it's great. Uh oh. Oh, um, gonna have to contact D again. Uh, oh, we have a bingo. Hey, hey! congratulations. Yep. <laughs> you win an internet cookie. You win Woo-hoo. the fork of horripilation. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, egg world uh, diagram. Fucking. I hate uh, everything. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, I'll dig. Yeah. I'll dig it. I'll dig it. I'll dig it. I'll find it. 
Uh, I found it dig, once. Dig, dig, a hole, yeah, diggy, 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 diggy hole. Diggy, diggy uh, hole. Hang on. I like the egg universe. Is, I like the egg universe is this morbid possession of a three of three distant coverage. What is the three distant coverage? Because <laughs> uh, that, I mean, three, I have that's, thoughts, that's, but they're not that's, serious. That's oh, three points. That's three points removed from a thing, as far as I'm concerned. But, but I, I'm perfectly happy to hear Felix's not serious thoughts because <laughs> <laughs> they're probably more fun than mine. So, like, my main view of like that line of um, three distant coverage. So you could interpret that a couple ways. One in that. Um, it's meant to be somewhat literal, which I highly doubt. Um, that it's literally three sort of layers of existence removed from the world that the the monks that are closer to way might know or be familiar with. Uh, the other thing to to talk about of um, three distant could be just the enantiomorph itself, because oh, there are three and they're all kind of playing off each other, and it's a baseline of how the system works in this godforsaken universe that is the Elder Scrolls universe. So you could have that. Um, and those were really just the two just like incredibly lazy ideas that I had with regards <laughs> to that line. I'm more than happy to hear literally anything else. <laughs> um, I don't even fucking try on the New Orleans school <laughs> to explain that, to explain the three distant coverage. Um, uh, I think because the thing that bothers me about it is it's like the the like the egg layer universe is this morbid possession of three distant coverage. I like three distant doesn't it, like like you know you, you mentioned three in the thirty six lessons of Vivek first thing you think of Amsa V but it's three yeah. distant it, as in separated by three layers perhaps like. Are we talking That's about just Aetherius? Three layers removed from existence. So. Yeah. So is and, it like Aetherius in the respect that Aetherius Oblivion Mundus? Like, I, I don't know. Um, possibly, which you can then also link to things like Yoke and Egg White. Okay, and sure. That makes sense. Shell, maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to. Um, I, I would love to hear opinions I, I, uh, from any, anybody and everybody about what the fuck that means. Um, distant in three space, like three dimensional space, Felix in chat, or covering three distances. Yeah, you see what I mean. Uh, uh, it's not. It's um. It can go in so it's, many it's, Yeah, it's a tough one. It's and it's tough for shitty reasons. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like yeah. it's it's tough because like it, there's not enough there. You know, three D. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um. So a symbol god without a context house is meaningless. A context without a symbol is sterile. Neither the god nor the house can exist separately, for they condition and change each other. So for every god or goddess, there is a house, and for every house, there is a god or goddess, though they may not be visible or apparent. So go ahead and guess who wrote that shit. Knowing you, Crowley. Bingo. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Yes, you're correct. That, that um, should be a bingo option. It's like yeah, Chris yeah. mentions Crowley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Vivek's name is alive because it exists within its house and context and is fertile due to being alive with meaning and a context and of a context of herself. 
Oh. Right. Okay. So it uh, the, the name only uh, has power if it is associated with something that can make it alive. Yeah. Yeah. It, it don't, yeah. It only. That's the same with all language, though. That's language only has meaning within its own social socially determined context because it's based on meat. The moment the meat dies, the the meaning dies. Yep. It's more that it's shared between different things. Um, it's not anything to do with it being organic, okay. but you cannot have a uh, language okay. that only one person understands. It, a, a, langu- a language that is only known by one person is just um, gobbledygook, and I guess, right? It's just noises. Yes, but, but also... But it's Gagana, but Also, if you, if you are trying to make your own language and say only I will ever know this language you have no real referent I mean this is this is partly a a cribbing and a skewing of Wittgenstein's private language argument but um, but he was kind of using it to disprove the idea of body and soul duality which is absolutely not what I'm doing with it um, right this second uh Wow, you've gone completely lost. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure I totally understood it, even when I was being taught it. I, I my, my essays on it got torn to shreds, so I <laughs> probably do not know what I'm talking about here. But if you want to check that out, look up Ludwig Wittgenstein, private language argument. It's the basic idea of you want to describe a sense. You want to describe a sensation through the use of a private language. You do that thing. And you only use it to refer to that yourself, uh, with and within yourself, you have no real way of checking what that sensation was. The, even the even your memory as a referent doesn't quite work. It never equates fully to the sensation. And, By the way, oh yep. no, sorry, I, I, and, I, thought, I thought you were done. My bad. Yeah, and so, and so you have you have no way of actually assigning actual meaning to the thing and so the language so both the idea of if your if your soul if your mind or if your mind and body or soul and body are distinct you should be able to have some distinct way of referring between the two which doesn't actually exist and also if you are trying to produce meaning without referring to anything other than yourself or without um, without referring to something beyond yourself, it doesn't it doesn't work because you cannot be sure what um, if the thing you're referring to is is actually as it was experienced before because you have no way of checking beyond that. Hmm. That's my understanding of it. It may be horribly flawed. If you want to find out more, please look it up. I am by no means an expert on that one. Do yeah, that notice? sounds like um, something you'd have to be an expert on because that's that sounds complicated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what and the and the Jesus. sermons here aren't? Come on, now. yeah, yeah, I know, right? we're doing academic I, shit. I kind of, I kind of understood that, but it was like, oh, it's tenuous. Yeah. <laughs> it, it also now makes an existential comic a little like I now understand this one uh, existential comic that mentions Wittgenstein. Now, like, oh, you know what? That this makes a little more sense to me now. About mm. who this person is and why he's saying things in this comic, where I was kind of like, "This just seems weird." Where people actually like this, and now thanks to James, I'm like, "Oh, okay, I get it now. Mm. I understand." <laughs> so, uh, good stuff. 
so in this cloister, you have discovered one walking path held like a sword, but more coarsened. In my commentaries, I said that this is the third walking way. I was wrong. It is the second walking way. Uh, I was wrong because I simply got the fucking number wrong. So I have to go back and change that. <laughs> I'm, I suggest that it is the walking second walking way because it is a uh, because is the defeat of hi, Baca. Um, uh, it is the defeat of uh, of an enemy, but I can't ignore the possibility that Vivek was talking about the construction of wheels as a walking way. In which case, I don't know what the fuck which one it was. I had no idea. Um, mm. Well, also caveat it, to that is that we know of six walking ways, but technically speaking, it's inferred that there are more. Mm. Shit, that's true. Um, all right, so like, okay. For, for all uh, we know, it's mm. like there's like, yeah, you know, six walking ways, <sighs> but do you know the other ten? And it's like, God damn it, no. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. really, mm-hmm. We, we we don't know. Um. It's, so, hilled like yeah. a sword, but more coarsened. Wait, so yeah. edged is it that it has to be whispered to keep the tongue from bleeding, where its signs evacuate their former meanings like empires that tarry too long. So this is, believe it or not, a clue, but I'll be fucked if I could figure out what. <laughs> um, yeah. I suggested that this might be due to something called uh, semantic satiation, I think it's called. <coughs> you did what? Uh, semantic satiation, which is where you... <coughs> excuse me, where you... Uh, you say a word so often that it doesn't make any sense anymore. That it's sounds a, it's prolix. A, it's, a, it's a phenomenon. It does, doesn't it? It sounds. Yeah. It's a phenomenon where... Uh, it's a language or a neurological phenomenon where if you, you, you start to say a word a whole lot... You know, you get good and stoned and this happens easier. You start to say a word a lot and you're like, that's a funny word. And then like you, you start to you start to like, you know, sound it out. And all of a sudden it doesn't really have the meaning that it used to. Like it doesn't you don't correlate the word cow with an actual animal. Instead, you're just thinking about the noise of, of, of the word of the way it feels when you say it. It loses its meaning. That's me when I can't. Using Mississippi is like one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three. Miss- By the time I get to about a hundred Mississippi's, it's like this thing is as irrelevant as the actual state buzzing. But yeah, that's uh, in my opinion how that works. Though. Arctic's correct. The um, the uh, cloister is the cave that the new that the whirling schools were being created in. So yes, okay. um, uh, any any relation to Plato's cave? Okay, I I thought about that long and fucking hard. Um and <laughs> every crazy. everything in hey <laughs> and everything in the uh everything that I came to was the idea of like if they if it was Plato's cave then Vivek would have brought them out of it. Out of the cave because Vivek is trying to get them to understand the nature of the universe. Um and uh and that would be, that would involve leaving the cave or at least understanding or, or not, or you know, not dwelling in it, so to speak. So I, I think it was. Yes. I think it was the idea is that they were cloistering themselves in a meditative way of separating themselves from the distraction and desires of the world, so that they can focus on spinning around and around and around until they throw up. Okay, um, so more like the Buddhist caves. Okay, yes. gotcha. Uh, mm-hmm. So its signs evacuate the former meanings of the empires that tarry too long. Yeah, I'm not sure that I interpreted that properly. I'm, I'd be willing if I had to bet. I'd say I didn't. Um, so the idea of 
and I the 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 the, I, the the concept of the walking path is that it is a sword hilled like a sword, but more coarsened. So edged is it that it has to be whispered to keep the tongue from bleeding. So I'm so this is a um a a concept or a word or a truth that is dangerous and must be uh uh treated like a delicate meal. And I've just given you another clue. Maybe. <laughs> All right. Um mm-hmm. as to why it, it could be that I'm correct that it's the second walking way. Um and uh so curved saws, yes. Cur- curved hills. Um and so we'll uh clearly reference to posting edgy comments online. Ooh. Um whisper it or the tongue is cut Maybe. out by others. Could be Baka. That's a good idea. Yeah, it's a secret that you that th- your tongue will bleed because it is cut out. Um the sword is estrangement from statesmanship. Okay, so uh yes. Well, actually, Klauswitz would entirely disagree with that. Okay. Okay, so let's define statesmanship in this context. Um, It's a... I suggested that it referred to the ego state. Because... That's a a terrible pun. uh, But, uh, yes. But because we are already talking, I was already thinking about the moon axle as an ego state, as... Uh, in terms of the Jungian like um, ego state. Oh, oh, also, shit. Also, um, ego self declaration. Um, I don't know if you guys are looking at the stream or not. Mm. Uh, oh, sorry, my bad. Uh, I'm looking so, at so. stream now, yes. Okay. Moon. Axel. Yes. Right. Okay. Thoughts. Is is this ju- is the moon axle name just a reference to Jung's diagram for ego self separation? It could be because the death of the hmm. ego is required for achieving divinity. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. 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 Um, I feel like a now. fucking conspiracy theorist when I when I when I when I point out shit like that. I'm like, but look in this diagram, there are two circles and a line connecting them. What does the line mean? What does the line mean? What does the line was it mean? You, you're yeah. like Charlie from the yeah, Philadelphia. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can't. Uh, uh, or, I can't. Or depending QAnon, but yeah. Yeah. So it. So it's Given sort the of way that they tend to talk. It feels a little bit like a like a, a sort of a, a a conspiracy theory kind of like it feels tenuous. But also, I've made way way fucking weaker connections in the in the New Orleans school. So, <laughs> like, I've done worse, and I'll, and I'll do it again. Um, <laughs> Baka has a fantastic point. We are all conspiracy, conspiracy theorists, theorists when yes. we get to deep law, yeah. and if we start applying this way of thinking to real world stuff, that's where actual conspiracy theories happen. It's yeah. a bad idea, mm-hmm. but this is a safe, but this is a safe environment, place. so we yeah. can do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a safe place. Um, oh, I, I, I mentioned more Crowley here. So for Crowley, the sword as intellect was meant to be the instrument used to rid oneself of the complexity that shrouded the inner will. However, it had seemingly paradoxical annotation to it since the 
uh, sword itself also represented the same faculties it is used to cut free. One who lives by the sword dies by the sword. The meaning, however, is that by sharpening the mental faculties to purge emotion from perception would ultimately lead one to eliminate the need for the tool altogether. This sword being the sword being the means of removing one from oneself. It is why the word statementship was chosen. It is the removal of leadership of linear structure of command through bureaucracy. Say that last sentence again. Okay. It, the sword being the means of removing one from oneself. This is why the word statesmanship was chosen. It is the removal of the leadership of linear structure of command through bureaucracy. So it was a, it's the removal of the ego commanding the self. Does it feel weak to you? Because it felt weak when I wrote it. <laughs> um, uh. The moon as Nern's ego or Lorcan's discarded one. The moon's moon as uh. Lorcan's ego. The, no, the, the moon as Nern's body. ego. It's that might also explain why Lorcan failed at Chim, if that's the actual way of looking at it because the if if you're talking about chim as the balancing of the ego with the world and everything else and self with the world then if Lorcan is the moon which is the ego of the world then he can't really be um, achieve the balance between the two I don't know whether that makes sense the incent- perverse incentive of government is not to govern, but merely sustain itself. The correct purpose of teaching is to not need teaching. Yeah. But I'm not, sh- I'm still not, I mean, these are all great things. This is all great concepts, but I still feel like the main root of the connection to the text is spurious and thin. The sword is estrangement from statesmanship. That's like, Okay, okay, let's let's keep reading. Maybe it gets a little bit better. Uh, the, the, um, the, sword, the sword being estrangement from statesmanship, I fundamentally disagree with because... Okay, good. Uh, because I agree with Clausewitz. Because um, in his text on war, um, I'm paraphrasing roughly, um, the, the line is, war is a continuation uh, of politics by another means. Uh, whereas the sword is an estrangement from statesmanship, tends to mean that you go to war when statesmanship has failed, whereas Clausewitz is no, you achieve political aims via violence, and mm-hmm. which could actually also now, now I think about it, link to the whole ideas of Amaranth as a statehood thing, mm-hmm. uh, because, uh, or Chim potentially as a statehood thing. I, don't, I can't remember quite how those two are distinct, but yes. Because um, there's talk about the whole cityhood and statehood. Yes. As, I can't remember where that refers city to. City face. City face. City face. We'll get we'll get to city face, but I can't. Um, but I'm trying to think back to the Amaranth hunt, whether it was just the idea of of kind of city and state and so on was just well, referring to Amaranth, or whether that comes up relative to Chim. That's the 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 promise of the Sige. Yeah. Image, egg, egg. man, god, egg. city, state, city, state. Yep. Yeah. Um. So. To some of these points, um, 
It could also be um, kind of just a little bit more simple in that um, statesmanship is the pursuit of power and the mundrial. It's not the pursuit of true divine power. It's like, ah, yes, gotta gotta manage all the little lemmings so that the kingdom doesn't fall apart. As to the kingdom is ultimately meaningless when we're at the whim of cosmic forces. That's the real power. You know, like there's something to be said for that angle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but you can also make the similar argument for violence. And so the sword being a str- the estrangement from statesmanship would not be a weird thing to point out. It would be in the same category as statesmanship if being meditative and cosmic and all the rest of it was the actual true power. Yeah, it's hard to to really pin anything down, mm. which is kind of just the nature of this whole sermon in general. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Maybe it simply brings you close to violence or something. Reach heaven through violence. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Still, it, it see it feels like we're kind of getting close to thinking about this as like the sword. And, and the, the and, and the and or and the walking ways and the sword like one of the walking ways is related to the sword and the uh um and the uh help the uh the uh of uh, uh, treasure wood sword yep if I recall correctly has very strong connections to the second walking way so. Just don't remember we'll what they are exactly. We'll, we'll, yeah, exactly. We'll get to that. We'll get to it when we get to it. Um, <laughs> but when the Empire State was literally keeping the barrier between reality and oblivion intact. Oh, uh, hmm. uh, I think that might be related symbolically, but I don't know if it's related. I don't know what the word is logically or, or like, I don't know if it's related in the context of this. Thing, but oh, I think your connection between um, the walking ways <clears> and <throat> the treasurewood sword is misremembering sermon twenty three. Could be because I I give you an ancient road tempered by the second walking way. Your hand must be huge to wield any sword the size of an ancient road, mm-hmm. and yet he he who is of right stature may irritate the sun with only a stick. Mm-hmm. That's the only things I can see which tie a walking way with. Explicitly. Yeah, uh, but I do believe I think I actually in an AMA that MK did on uh, in, in IRC, I asked him outright what the second walking way was. And he said, when you just kick the shit out of all your opponents, <laughs> like, like when when you when you defeat every enemy that life throws at you. Yeah, um, it was it was in fact in retrospect it was the shittiest dumbest answer dumbest question for me to ask because it was the most obvious second uh, of the walking ways uh in in retrospect but whatever um uh, we all grow and learn as people so yeah. hopefully well i was just a little lorelet back then um look on the estimable lines of my son now crafted starwise is every limb equidistant from the center so this is now af- after they've sort of mapped out remember um uh, uh, mm-hmm. Moon Axel, Moon Axel now resembles a star 
in the respect that every limb is equidistant from the center. He is solved. Be- is he solved because I will it so? Um, also kind of has like vague wheel kind of, you know, all equidistant from the center kind of also sounds yes. a bit like a spoke. So, and mm-hmm. also, uh, well, except also without the thing that makes him moon axle. Because if we're going along the whole idea of an imperfect circle mm-hmm. and so on, you it's got without the curved lines or and so on. So you're taking mm-hmm. the outside of the rim off from that. Right. And so you are removing the outer edge of the world, which gives you <clears throat> what? Which gives you a human form, if you think about the mm-hmm. axles arranged in the same way. Right. Um, a star with its penumbra broken off. Uh, something, be. something, something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Pinned up like a frog. Yeah, kind of. Uh, Vertruvian man, that's, that's the Vitruvian symbol man. I use. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the image. Uh, there cannot be a second stage. Just another one of those sentences that Vivek just throws into the middle of a paragraph. It seems so non sequitur. It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's like, well, can you give us some more detail? Yeah. Uh, think on the theory <laughs> that my existence promulgates the five elements and alike the egg-layered universe, I am cause for great density. Okay, yeah, everybody got that? Great, let's uh, move on. Uh, yeah, uh, sure, totally. Here, here is a <laughs> thought that can break the wagon's axle. Here is another that can soar. Okay, so you kind of have to take this whole paragraph in before any of it starts to make any sense. Um, uh, think on the theory that my existence promulgates the five elements and alike the egg layered universe, I am cause for great density. What Vivek is saying here is that Vivek is the dense center around which the structure can be built. So, Which is the same for anyone. It's the whole. It's the same notion as the temporal myth is man. In so far as the structure of the universe is only given hold through intellect. Mm-hmm. It is only um, that the universe is the universe is only compiled and is brought together within and a will, yeah. and therefore it the universe only has meaning and is only entirely itself. If it can be observed by in consciousness. Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here is a thought that can break the wagon's axle. Here is another that can soar. So this is Vivek saying that these are the the concepts that you learn in the whirling school when you follow Vivek is these concepts that can um, uh, destroy the world or, or reality. Um, or in this case, the moon axle, um, or that can cause you to fly, you know, to, to achieve greatness, to et cetera, you know, um, maybe even literally fly. Cause Marwin did have levitation. So, yeah, true. Know. True. Back in the good old days, back before the mages <laughs> guild got pissy about it. Yep. Yeah. God damn. Make Marwin great again. <laughs> God damn. Where's my red hat? Um, so, <laughs> That's, Either that or all your all your fur lined yellow one. Mm, yeah, that's yeah the 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 the, uh, the arrow the catcher. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like a like a sailed like a sort of work horse and yeah okay little that's yeah a little bit yeah like the the idea of it's it's like it's like a hill but because it's low poly it's coarse yeah I don't I don't hate that <laughs> sure yeah. yeah we're going back to the polygons baby mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, it always comes back to polygons and uh, so this is kind of the state that we 
like I, I went hard for the for the ego death thing uh, with the with Moon Axel because I was trying Shaka. I was trying very hard to I was also trying very hard to think about the uh, children as if they were um, elements of Vivek's psyche, sort of. Um, that does not work, <laughs> as I discovered. <laughs> yeah. As I discovered in later chapters, that does not work. Um, but I'm I'm still not. I, I don't hate this connection these connections i made here but i do feel like the stuff that we're covering today is uh it's a very geometric sermon yeah, sure um polymer uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh if marwin had dad jokes that'd be the best uh, <laughs> no don't groan that is great <laughs> jesus well on that note, let's end this cast. <laughs> hey, bye, everybody. Yeah. Although, although uh, hang on. Uh, yeah. Well, before we do that, um, the thought that will break the wagon's axle, uh, mm -hmm. is moon axle related to the wagon's axle in this that's, sense? See, again, that's kind of like uh, when we were, uh, when I was focusing so much on the ego self-axis, um, I was thinking of it in, the, in terms of two circles connected by a yeah. Um, an axle, and and that's kind of the conclusion that I came to. But I didn't really mention that in the New Worlding School commentary because I was I was still kind of like that's kind of goofy. But um, I still don't I don't hate that exactly. It it, it you like the one of the things that like I, I keep having to remind myself here is that if I it, it's possible that I could like sit Kirkbride down and like hypnotize his ass and make him like somehow remember. The you know like what he was thinking while he was building the um the the thirty six lessons and I would end up with like the actual answer to this sermon and I'm reasonably certain it would be something like along the lines of uh, I was just kind of sticking shit to the wall dude like I it would not surprise me at all if that was what was actually happening and I I don't think I would be disappointed Baco because the the thing is the the thing that Oh, I always come back to with the 36 lessons is that he wrote it in a week. That's fucking ridiculous. This is the, the fact yeah. that it's this good after a week's worth of work is amazing to me. It should have taken him like half a year if, if he was going to mm. do it like air quotes, right? Like if he was going to create a true work of like philosophy and, and metaphysics, it could have taken him a half a year just working on these, you know, on these. Even just the core things. concepts, let alone right. writing yeah. the, the, yeah. the lessons. And so, um, so like, I'm perfectly comfortable with the idea that the, that, that this sermon might just be kind of like some shit that he threw on a page and it's just like, this looks good to me. And then that was, that was all the work that went into it. That's fine. And part of the reasons why I like doing the commentaries on the new Whirling school is I like the idea of taking something that somebody just kind of like vomited out and then making it super ultra deep. <laughs> <laughs> like like uh, yeah yeah and 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 somehow exactly right exactly somehow it all fits together even though by all rights it shouldn't it's still possible <laughs> to assemble it's like taking a whole bunch of different puzzle pieces from a whole bunch of different puzzles and then assembling something that works you know well, is that in and of itself is that not art follow certain templates you can actually swap out right. pieces but for templates but it is kind of art is 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 building you know, like uh, like something deep and meaningful out of what could well be a pile of, you know, I don't want to say a pile, but like a, a, a collection of uh, of very scattered ideas. 
Um, it it and, doesn't even have to be that big. Like I, I have yeah. a story from an online forum where, you know, we're talking about, you know, how, how do people know in general when, you know, the, you're an adult, like what actually is, is we're trying to figure out, you know, what is the line where you can say, ah, oh, yes, I'm an adult now. And I just made a throwaway joke because I just want to be part of the conversation. I said, ah, oh, you know, you're an adult when you want, when you realize you want to be a kid again, mm. but because you can't like determine tone in a fucking forum post, mm -hmm. Lots of people were like, holy shit, dude, that's yeah. so deep. And, yep. uh, and I just mm -hmm. didn't have the heart to tell them I was fucking around. Just making shit up, dude. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, but it's but to but them, it's they're true. Like, Sometimes oh, shit, there's just, actually some wisdom there. I'm like, accidentally I mean, I awesome. Guess, yeah. But I was just being mm -hmm. silly. Yeah. Uh, and it's kind of the like, I don't I don't know. I like I I I I think there's some legitimately excellent art in the 36 lessons but there doesn't have to be every fucking paragraph every goddamn sentence doesn't have to be a treasure trove of meaning uh but i mean that's what we do is we take things you know implications of meaning you know that's what we do so that's why it's yep. fun um inferring significance about. in things devoid mm -hmm. of detail yep uh yeah i think haskell has a great quote about that where like if oh. haskell was real he'd be so pissed off with us yes He'd just yeah. be so pissed off in general. Never mind with us. Yeah, Latorio, true, but... Latorio in chat is is also echoing some uh, another thought I've had, which is that maybe he was maybe Kerpride was so neat, like up to the gills in this kind of content that when he started writing this stuff out, he he may have accidentally, like or subconsciously, uh, uh, created uh, something incredible and uh, and done it like not on purpose, but. Again, that's kind of like the Crowley approach to art, which is the moment you try to do it on purpose, you can't do it right. You know, yeah. the The moment you do, you want the moment you desire an outcome is the moment where the outcome is guaranteed not to happen. Um, I feel that in Minecraft so hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, All right, here's yeah. what I'm going to do today. I'm going to work on this. And then it's like, I can't bring yeah. myself to do it. And then it's like something else. I'm like, so this turned out really goddamn amazing. And that was not my intention. Yeah, Ooh. exactly. I did yeah. not expect this to be this good yeah um <laughs> so uh two weeks we'll yes. see you in two weeks uh Yay!